0: One trader has spotted a rare signal that suggests Bitcoin is going to see massive volatility in the next nine days. Good morning, you're listening to the Rise in Crypto podcast by Cointelegraph with me, Robert Baggs, steering you through the crypto cosmos with daily dispatches from the digital frontier. If you simply enjoy being well informed on crypto, you better click that follow button. Okay, grab yourself a coffee and let's get into it. We are all over the map again today, visiting all corners of crypto, so here is what's on the docket. A trader on X has highlighted a rare signal that suggests Bitcoin volatility is about to spike. After a reasonably quiet 2022, a report suggests that ransomware was back with a vengeance in 2023. The blockchain Tron is poised to become a leader in stablecoin payments, and US Bitcoin miners are challenging the mandatory EIA Energy Survey as politically motivated. Yesterday, William Suberg went through the findings of a popular trader on X, Horn Hares, who has flagged a rare trading signal for Bitcoin. The signal suggests that within 10 days, or 9 days now, we will hit major price volatility. There's a lot to unpack with this, and I want to ensure it's straightforward and we don't go too far down at the very deep finance rabbit hole. The trader is using the Bollinger Band's volatility indicator. This uses three metrics. Middle band, which shows the average price over a period of time. And then upper and lower bands, which are measures of how much, in this case Bitcoin, goes up or down. Bollinger Bands are a way traders work out if a stock is trading high, low or about right, as well as how volatile they are. The trader highlighted the Bollinger Bandwidth, BBW, stop it, which is a measurement of how close the three bands are. When the bands are close together, volatility is low and the price isn't moving all that much. The rare signal that Hornhairs is pointing at is how low the Bollinger Bandwidth is. That is, the bands are very close together and the price for Bitcoin hasn't been moving much. Now, with Bitcoin, whenever the Bollinger bandwidth has been this low in the past, it was followed by a huge move in price. What's interesting here, or useless depending on how you take it, is that the trader doesn't know whether this means the price is about to go up or down. Hornhairs wrote on X, Now's the time to get your plan ready for either direction. Don't want to be stuck in a frozen panic with no plan if things launch upwards or nuke lower. It's coming very soon. So the TLDR is that this trader believes we're seeing very low volatility over a reasonable period of time that is not only rare, but in the past it has been an indicator of a major price move and increased volatility. The timeline for this is now only nine days. You might remember from an episode around a month ago that Arthur Hayes, the co-founder of BitMEX, said he wouldn't be buying Bitcoin until March at the earliest because he predicts a nosedive. What do you think about this? Do you think we're in for increased volatility? I mean, that's historically a pretty safe bet when it comes to crypto. Do you think we're about to see a nosedive or perhaps a spike upwards? Or is it, and I'm going to resist doing my best McConaughey impression, Fugazi? Share your thoughts with us on at Cointelegraph and at RKBags on X. In 2022, somewhat unexpectedly, the use of ransomware fell off a cliff, which was pleasing. But Chainalysis yesterday released a report on ransomware as part of their upcoming crypto crime report that had some worrying findings. Although ransomware attacks predate cryptocurrencies, crypto has come to play a pretty fundamental role in them, courtesy of the pseudonymity, the ease of cross-border payments, irreversibility, unless your ripple, that clawback feature comes in today, and the ease of laundering through mixers and privacy tokens. So, while ransomware isn't a crypto problem, it's still a problem intrinsically linked with crypto, and it's got worse, much worse. The report showed that after 2021's all-time high of $983 million in ransomware payments, 2022 plummeted to $567 million in payments, a 42% drop. But as the report suggests, 2022 was an anomaly, not a trend, and part of the decrease can be attributed to geopolitics such as the Russian-Ukraine conflict. This, anomaly not a trend, is evidenced by 2023's ransomware payments which hit $1.1 billion, which is comfortably a new all-time high and not the sort of ATH we like. 2023 saw 538 new ransomware variants or strains with varying strategies. Some, like Phobos, act as a sort of ransomware as a service and look to ransom little and ransom often, whereas the ransomware group CLOP were big game hunting through zero day vulnerabilities. A zero day vulnerability is a security flaw in software that has no patch ready and so called because the victim has zero days to fix the issue. Some of these were high profile attacks, including the exploit of a vulnerability in the software Move It which is used by major organisations such as the BBC and British Airways. Now, When it comes to the loot and how it was moved, the report reads Centralised exchanges and mixers have consistently represented a substantial share of transactions, suggesting they are preferred methods for laundering ransomware payments. However, this year saw the embrace of new services for laundering, including bridges, instant exchanges and gambling services. We assess that this is the result of takedowns disrupting preferred laundering methods for ransomware, some services' implementation of robust AML and KYC policies, and also as an indication of new ransomware actors' unique laundering preferences. So it seems it's a bit of a case of you tear one thing down and another one pops up. But the really worrying stat is that ransomware payments nearly doubled from 2022 to 2023. This is a problem that primarily needs to be addressed to protect people online. But we also shouldn't pretend that this isn't a threat to crypto. Many anti-crypto folk in the US government are likely to point at crypto as a reason for the spike in ransomware use. Stablecoins are a topic we have cause to discuss fairly frequently. Although their price doesn't go up and down, or it shouldn't, their role in the world has expanded continuously. And we've even seen some citizens from countries that have been ravaged by inflation converting their entire paychecks into stablecoins as soon as they receive them. Stablecoins have also proven a fantastic way to issue cross-border payments given the speed, ease and low cost. One story of unambiguous success in the stablecoin space is Tether, USDT, which has become a leader in its field. Not to mention, Tether as a company has been doing pretty damned well too. As you might remember from last week's episode, Tether posted a record $2.85 billion in profit in quarter four last year. What you might not know about Tether is that over 50% of its tokens issued, and it has a market cap of 93 billion, so there are a lot, are issued on the Tron blockchain. That is to say, Tron is the primary network for USDT. Cointelegraph research published some thoroughly interesting findings yesterday that looked at how Tron is now, in fact, poised to become a leader in stablecoin payments. The article reads Over the past few years, Tron has enhanced its market presence, overtaking the BNB chain in terms of stablecoin transaction volume in 2021 and representing one third of the global stablecoin volume by the end of 2023. In the fourth quarter of 2023 alone, transactions on Tron amounted to $1.2 trillion. Cointelegraph research also found that Tron is flourishing as a real-world asset tokenization platform. The report reads, Tron has established a notable presence in the tokenization of real-world assets, RWA, hosting the world's second-largest RWA protocol, STUSDT. As with all Cointelegraph research reports, it goes into incredible detail. So if you want a truly comprehensive understanding of how Tron is becoming a powerhouse in the stablecoin space, make sure you give it a read. I've linked it in the description below. Earlier this month, the United States Department of Energy demanded that crypto miners report their energy consumption for the next six months. The U.S. Energy Information Administration, EIA, which is the statistics agency of the Department of Energy, said it will be initiating a provisional survey to gauge the electricity usage of local crypto mining firms. And these firms are, and I quote, required to respond with details related to their energy use. That is, it's mandatory. The prompt was said to be the increased price of Bitcoin, which could incentivize more mining activity. The EIA administrator, Joe DeCarolis, said the survey would "...specifically focus on how the energy demand for cryptocurrency mining is evolving, identify geographic areas of high growth, and quantify the sources of electricity used to meet cryptocurrency mining demand." Well, several US mining firms and other organizations involved in crypto and blockchain have raised concerns over the legality of this sudden and mandatory survey. Furthermore, they have questioned why crypto was targeted specifically by a government-run institution. And this last point is a salient one. Is this politically motivated? The president of the Texas Blockchain Council, Lee Bratcher, called it an unprecedented information collection request before going direct with the following statement. The EIA's mandatory emergency survey of electricity consumption data represents the latest politically motivated campaign against Bitcoin mining, cryptocurrency and US-led innovation. Riot Blockchain is North America's largest Bitcoin mining facility, and their head of public policy, Brian Morgenstern, wrote on X that it is a politically motivated attack on Bitcoin, driven by the self-appointed anti-crypto Senator Elizabeth Warren. In his thread, Morgenstern went on to highlight Senator Elizabeth Warren's misconceptions about carbon pollution with crypto mining, its electricity, it doesn't emit any, how Bitcoin miners enhance grid stability, and then the following uppercut. The White House said the quiet part loud in September 2022 by signalling a desire to limit or eliminate Bitcoin mining. I'll link to the full thread in the description because Morgan Stone goes into a lot more depth and uses a lot of data as evidence. It really is a fantastic read. And he is far from alone. Many others have called out this survey as a patent double standard. Taras Kulik, CEO of Sunnyside Digital, a hardware and infrastructure provider for Bitcoin mining firms, said, I wonder, will the oil and gas, traditional data center, banking and petrochemical sectors be asked for the same data? This point about data centers is one several commenters have raised as the EIA ran a pilot program to identify data center power use, but it only solicited 50 data centers in total and received a 26% response rate. Colin Harper, the head of research at Bitcoin mining software firm Luxor, said, it seems pretty incongruous to me for the EIA to single out Bitcoin miners with a standalone survey when they haven't even done a full-scale one for data centers at large. The motivations for the survey do seem dubious, and the US Bitcoin miners are not going to take it lightly. Okay, that really was far-reaching, but that is your daily debrief complete. Consider yourself informed. Thank you for listening to the Rise in Crypto podcast by Cointelegraph. If you're enjoying these daily updates, please make sure you let us know by following, subscribing or leaving a review. Have a great day. Let's do this again tomorrow.